Welcome back. Richard, it's good to see you. Good to see you too. Looking, yes. looking forward to another good week. Yes, definitely looking forward to another good week. And in a week where we're going to continue our conversation from last week, uh, we, for those of you who haven't listened to last week's podcast, we kind of started the introduction of the idea or the concept, I guess, of parental alienation syndrome. And um, we talked a lot about what it is, uh, the difference between alienation and estrangement, and um, you know, just sort of some of the some of the factors that contribute to uh, the emergence of this condition or this situation, I guess. Right. I also want to welcome some new members. I got notifications. Some new people have. Come, we don't mention their names, of course, but we have some new listeners this morning, so we want to welcome them to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So. So when we think about parental alienation syndrome, just as a quick recap, um, right. you know, what we're talking about is a, a situation typically after or following a divorce, though it, though it can happen with intact families. Right. And we're talking about a situation where a, a child may have had a really strong relationship with, with a parent. And then after following some specific behaviors, um, some usually very intentional actions by the other parent, the child starts to reject or um, kind of remove themselves emotionally from the parent that they may have once had a strong connection with. Yeah, yeah. by definition, alienation, and, and we distinguish alienation from estrangement. Estrangement right. is, a, is a bit different. Um, alienation occurs when the, the parent-child had a good relationship, a positive uh, mm -hmm. relationship, but then it changed because the other parent um, negatively affected that relationship, either consciously or unconsciously, um, either passively or actively um, changed, uh, sought to change that relationship between the parent and the child. What had been a good relationship suddenly sours and uh, the child, parent and child begin to separate. Absolutely. And so you, you can have situations where the estranged, uh, the, the um, alienating parents, uh, right. parent will sort of actively restrict the time the child has with the alienated parent. They mm -hmm. will um, say negative things about the other parent. They will they, they will try and, and work really hard sometimes to change memories, uh, the right. child's memories of the other parent, uh, you know, positive, um, healthy experiences could be memories of those experiences could be changed mm -hmm. to um, sort of frame it in a way that the, the experience was actually negative for the child and uh, all of which changes the child's perspective and perception and emotional connection with the right. estranged um, or the alienated parent. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's that change in perspective that, that it's very easy. The parent, the alienating parent doesn't even have to actively engage or be critical, uh, openly critical of the other parent. It just has to be this gradual shift in perspective that, that mm -hmm. can change that relationship. Yeah, and and I think that the, the the most critical point that we tried to make last week, mm -hmm. and that of course continues over to this week, is that for for it to truly be parental alienation, um, the way that we classically talk about it, because remember right. this isn't a, a diagnosis, this right. isn't right. a mental illness, this isn't something that's in any of our diagnostic manuals. Um, 
but one of the, the key feature that really has to be present is that the child rejects the alienated parent. Right. You know, the, the child no longer wants to spend time with them. The child no longer wants to engage with them. And so you, you can have lots of situations where a parent, one parent is, you know, manipulating the child and trying to turn the child against, even to the point where when both parents are present, the child actively does actively reject the other right. parent. But then when the, uh, when the parent is alone with the child, the child Child's perfect. Child is really connected and wants to be loving with the parent, show, showing lots of affection and, and all that. Then that's not parental alienation. It may be attempted parental alienation. Right. But it's not actual parental alienation. Yeah, the effort was made. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that uh, we, we sometimes see with alienation is that the alienating parent will withhold affection for the yeah. child, they will withhold affection if the child shows any positive, makes positive comments or shows any positive feelings for the other parent. I've, I've seen that. I mean, I've dealt with families where uh, one of the other parent and you have to remember that when when in a divorce, um, children start to become very insecure because mm -hmm. they're not they they're not sure which parent to align with. They, they right. should be able to align with both equally. Right. But frequently, children are caught in a situation where which parent do I believe? Or which because frequently children will get two very different stories. Yeah, and young children just assume that one of the parents is lying. Right. You know that I yeah. mean you, because they don't understand that they're getting two truths. That the right. mother has the truth, father has the truth. They're look and so they're one parent away from being an orphan. Is how how right. they start to see it. Is they're thinking well. You know, I don't have both parents, and which one am I gonna? Which one am I gonna um, cast my lot with, if you will? Yeah. Because if that parent leaves me, then what am I gonna do? You know, right. I'm being told that this parent doesn't like me, so I better hang on to this parent, the the alienating parent. Otherwise, I don't have any parents. Yeah. It's a scary, scary uh, place to put a child. Right. So, so I, you know, again, they're just. Putting a putting a finer point on it, you know, parental alienation syndrome is real. It, right. It's a real phenomenon that happens. I know that you and I have both seen it mm -hmm. uh, multiple times with right. people that we've worked with, um, and and it does happen for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it can it often happens because you know one parent is angry or jealous or just wants to get back at the the other right. parent. Um, but for whatever reason, um, it, it is real and it happens and it's it's detrimental um, right. to both the child yeah. and the and the and the adults. Yeah, because while the while the child is struggling with what is going on here and where do I fit and which parent am I with? Um, the parent frequently a parent will come to rely on the child for emotional support. And I had a case like that a year or so ago where the, in this case, the mother was absolutely distraught over, uh, she, she claimed she never saw it coming, she had no idea. And she was emotionally um, fragile and she leaned heavily on a teenage daughter. And, and it was almost a role reversal right. where uh, the child assumed the role of the parent in this case, because the mother just couldn't pull herself together emotionally. Right. And so, so that's a, why does it happen? That's another reason why it happens is 
you know, the, the parent will rely on the child and they'll, they'll want to draw the child closer and closer. And they do that at the expense of the, of the alienated parent. Right. Yeah. So, so when you think of, you know, who could possibly do this, you know, what kind of person would actually engage in this kind of behavior? It's, Mm -hmm. it's oftentimes a person with, with maybe some emotional dysregulation or emotional instability. Um, Sometimes there's personality characteristics, whether it's narcissism or even borderline tendencies. And, um, but, but oftentimes it's just motivated about motivated by uh, the idea of, of getting back at or, or seeking revenge on the other parent. So, yeah. It, yeah. If a parent, we always worry when a parent, when either parent is filled with anger and obviously really struggling emotionally with the divorce, uh, whether it's the, the separation or the upheaval or the finances, for whatever reason they're struggling and they, some parents will transfer that pain to the child. You know, right. and, and so they, they they place it on the child, and um, that can also um, the a, a person who needs that kind of emotional support is also the kind of person who would be willing to risk alienation. Right, right. So, so it, it is. We recognize that it's controversial. Um, you know, again, it's not in a diagnostic book or anything like that. Um, most of the information we have about it comes from just reports and from, um, you know, we talked about this origin back in the 1980s. Um, but, but it, you know, those characteristics and, and uh, explanation of it do, do continue to hold true um, mm-hmm. as we move into the, now the 21st century. So, mm-hmm. right. So let's think a little bit about, um, and talk a little bit about the effects, the actual the effects, effects on children. On children. And I think that's, I think that's the most important part of, of, of all of this, of these three, this three part series is how does, and that's the question that most people ask is what is, what is the effect on children? How does this affect them? Right. And I, and I think most people, you know, starting right out with the, uh, the heavy hitter, most professionals agree that parental alienation is a form of child abuse. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's really difficult to see uh, because there's no, obviously there are no bruises. There are no, um, and emotional neglect or emotional abuse, psychological abuse is always difficult, much more difficult to diagnose or identify right. than physical abuse of any kind. Um, but most experts agree that it is sometimes a, a form of, of child abuse. And I think that, and we, we underscore that it's abuse because the effects are so significant, so monumental, so catastrophic. I mean, th- that's clear. The, the, the research is clear on that. And there isn't a great deal of research on, the, on that topic. Right. But the research that does exist tell, says clearly that the effects, um, the effects on children are substantial. And they're, they're so substantial that it that could be considered a type of emotional or verbal abuse. Uh, they're substantial and enduring. And um, enduring. They last forever. Yeah. They yeah. go on into adult. Yeah. Right. So there, there are some researchers out of the uh, University of Tasmania. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And and they interviewed a, a, a number of students or kids um, who have been alienated. And they came up with and identified seven themes that mm-hmm. they, from, from these interviews with, with children who had been um uh, yeah. and, and this is 
after the children had become adults. So That's they were right. able they to look back right. and see, um, you know, through the through their adult lens, look back at what happened to them as they were growing up and being alienated right. from a parent. That's one I really like that um, about this study is they went and interviewed adults and said, okay, what was the experience? And they right. did qualitative research. They just asked questions and they were looking for themes of what most adults who had been alienated um, what what their feelings were about the effects of alienation. It's really, really nicely designed study. Yeah. So one of the themes was had to do with the the actual effects of the alienating behavior. Right. And, and this mm-hmm. was really interesting because you know when you when you see this the description uh, of some of the effects of the alienating behaviors, you can you can really quickly begin to see how this can how this can look like uh, abuse. Right. And so, you know, things that they found were that they, the children were made to feel guilty if they didn't comply with with the alienating parent. And mm-hmm. um, but I think one of the big ones is the adultification right. um, or, or the child parentification, but where the where the child is given sort of this adult position yeah. in the relationship with the alienating parent. And um you know, what kid doesn't want to have that type of position or that type of authority? Now, they may have absolutely no skill or no uh, understanding of life to be able to hold that position, but right. they want it because they want to have that kind of control and that kind of um, power. You know, I always wonder when, you know, you get these cases where kids, um, parents will come in and say, well, my my son is trying to be the father. He's trying to be the parent now, you know, we're going through this divorce. And I always wonder, well, did you assign that role to him? You know, did you, did you impose that on him and, you know, lean on him and, and uh, maybe that's why he's just assuming the role that you've handed to him. Right. And so the term is adultification or child parentification, parentification. Um, And that they feel this, the weight um, of this new role. Um, It also suppresses the, the, the alienating behaviors also, are aimed to, um, and they felt that their feelings for the other parent were suppressed. Right. And of course, damaged, damaged the bonds that once existed between right. the parent and the child. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting to see some of this stuff happen because again, we, we've, we've worked with families where this has been, this has happened. And, but um, it's so interesting because, you, you know, how many times Richard, have we had, you know, eight-year-olds come in and they're talking yeah. about the, the parent's checkbook and, you know, what right. the bank accounts look like. And it's like, what do you know about a right. bank account at, at, at your age? Um, but they know all of those things. They, they know, oh, well, you know, we're this much short each month because, you know, dad right. isn't paying what he's supposed to be paying. And, right. and at far too young of an age to have understanding or uh, awareness of that. Um, but that's what what's sort of meant by the adultification. Um, you know, yeah. they have these responsibilities that they feel but they have absolutely nothing, n- no way to do anything about it. Right. Yeah. In this one case, the mother was kept saying, I mean, it was an unrelenting campaign by the mother to convince her daughter how devastated she was and that she was just emotionally broken. And it put the daughter in the position of having to support her mother. And right. then there was a literal role reversal the child was never able to grieve or process it because clearly mother had imposed this adult like um responsibility on the daughter right. you know that's you know and, and she would cry she would go into the daughter's bedroom and cry and complain and and uh and then this, so we had this almost immediate role reversal the child was really 
um, really affected by that. Absolutely. Uh, the second theme that they they identified was uh, were the mental health effects. And, and right. what's yeah. fascinating is that all of the people that they interviewed, all of the adults that were right. children um, and, and um, uh, alienated from another parent, all of them experienced mental health issues, either anxiety, PTSD, suicidal ideation, depression, uh, low self-esteem, all kinds of things right. were present in in some combination with all of the people that they interviewed. Right. Yeah. So if anybody wants to know, um, all of the people interviewed, so all of these adults uh, had something that they felt um, either low self-confidence or low self-esteem or substance abuse directly related to having been alienated as children. Right. So the effects are, the effects are uh, pretty astonishing when it comes to mental health. Absolutely. Now the, the third theme which I, I, again, I feel find very fascinating. And you know, we, we often tell people that you know your perspective of relationships is framed by the relationships that you see when you grow up. Right. And so right. the third theme, it's not surprising that these individuals all talk about relationship difficulties. Right. Yeah, uh, they 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 have difficulty confiding in their peers. They have um, you know fear of loss or abandonment. Um, and they just have a general distrust or difficulty, at least difficulty trusting other people. Yeah, when you see your parents engaged in this kind of animosity, this kind of warfare, um, you're watching what you thought was a close relationship between two people who cared about each other and who cared about you. And you're watching them go through this process. And we, as we always say, um, your children are going to do what they see, not what you tell them. Right. right? And if they're watching you do this, Later on, they 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 all uh, reported to the researchers that they had this fear of loss. You know, they they were never quite sure when the relationship would end. They couldn't trust other people. Um, they tended to get into dysfunctional relationships because they weren't choosing the right partner. Um, and so there was a there was a, a great deal of relationship damage, um, relationship difficulties. Um, that again, as you said earlier it carried through life, you know, into your twenties and thirties and forties. So these had ling lingering effects on the ability to establish close relationships with others. Absolutely. And, you know, it, when you, when you think about how, you know, your parents are the people who are, you're supposed to be able to trust the most and the, are the people who are, you're supposed to feel the most confident will be there for you and to support you and protect you. And so to be in a situation where you have turned completely against one of those people who are supposed to be, you know, right. it, it makes sense that it would have uh, a lasting effect on, on one's uh, ability to, to form relationships and maintain relationships. Right. Yeah. I, I think one of the more um, sort of unexpected or um, mm -hmm. sort of indirect, I guess, uh effect is the is the impact that it has on learning and development right and i hadn't thought about this yeah you know, this one sort of surprised me and this is the value of doing qualitative research is these themes sort of emerge from the questions that you ask yeah yeah so you know especially through adolescence when you think about the formation of identity and, and you're trying to figure out who you are right and and then you know, you think about those times when, you know, people had said, you know, oh, man, you're just you do that just, just like, like your dad does it. Um, <laughs> right. 
And then, you know, but you're the frame of reference that you have in your mind is that dad is this horrible person and right. everything. And so that's going to make the make the kid feel like, oh, my gosh, there's this part of me that's horrible. This is part right. of me that exactly. is like this person that I have all these negative feelings about. And so it would absolutely have an influence on uh, the formation of the identity and the development of who the person is um, as they're going through all of those stages. Yeah. So in addition to the the other mental health effects, now you add shame to that because right. you're thinking, well, if my dad's a jerk and I'm like my dad, you know, and so, so there's this right. sort of seed of shame planted in the young child that again um, grows across the lifespan. Absolutely. But it also affects education yeah. and employment, you know, yeah. um, and uh, again, it, it doesn't seem like it would necessarily be directly related. But when you think about the um, all that must be going on right. in the kid's head, you mm -hmm. know, and then they're at school and they're having right. to, they have to learn and they have to build these new skills and everything. Most of the participants in this study talked about difficulties right. with learning and focusing in school. Right. Um, which certainly can change their life. I mean, we, we, we see kids all the time who were doing really well in school. And then all of a sudden you start seeing this shift where their grades start to drop and they're not as involved. They, they're having those peer relationship uh, issues. And um, so it's not surprising that a lot of people in this study talked about that. You know, um, years ago when I first shortly after I graduated from college, I, I ran a private school. I was the dean of a private school. Mm -hmm. It was a small school. We got to know the kids and their parents pretty well. And we, we would always say that if when a um, parents were going through a divorce, you, you, you just about lost that year of school. Right. And, and we would say, we would say to the teachers because we knew the kids well, and we would say, Hey, look, his parents are going through a divorce. Just hang on because this is going to be a very atypical year. And it would last the entire school year. You know, if it happened in October, if the parents got divorced before the holidays, you 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 almost gave up that entire academic year. Yeah. Um, and and the because the effects were profound on the kids. Um, they just they uh, they they just couldn't pull themselves together. They couldn't keep it all organized. You know, homework right. and assignments and clothes and you know equipment. And uh, they 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 we would we would just assume that the kid wasn't going to do much that year. Right. Well, and that's certainly the case when, when it's such a, um, a negative, difficult, yeah. challenging divorce, you know, we did a podcast probably last year on, you know, a healthy divorce. Um, and, mm. and, and there are healthy divorces where the, where the effects really on the kids are, are far less or minimal than we right. expect. And, you know, there's some good research coming out about that, but in, in this case, you know, the when you think about and and as soon as I read this, um, I could this one particular kid that I worked with came to mind because she stopped going to school yeah. uh, or right. didn't go to school every day. And, mm -hmm. and she said it was because she needed to stay home to make sure that mom was going to be OK. <laughs> if you if the child becomes the caretaker. Yeah. Um, the first thing you're going to get is more frequent. Uh, school absence. So you're going to have an attendance problem. Yeah, absolutely. So especially if, if the parent wants the child to stay home, right, and, and be there for. for yeah, him. absolutely. So, so the again the the effects are profound, and, and this is again where it can be life lifelong because yes. 
you know, if that those kinds of things start happening in, in middle school, elementary and middle school, That's and right. continue through high school, you know, it's going to affect college, it's going to affect mm-hmm. um, post, uh, post-educational employment, it's going to affect a lot of things. So yeah, imagine if it happened when a kid is taking algebra one, right? You know, so so you get this disruption in algebra one, well, no one's going to go back and teach you algebra one, you're going to go to the next math course the next year, and you're just going to be absent those skills. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the fifth um, issue that they found is uh, are, are yeah. issues related to grief and loss. And, and right. I think a lot of that makes sense uh, because certainly there's it, they we talked already about, you know, them poten- potentially feeling guilt about how they um, about how they're treating the um, the parents, right. um, but also grief over the loss, you know, and, and I don't know that all of them. They didn't necessarily identify that at the time. I don't think, you know, most of the kids that we work with in this situation don't say, you know, well, I I, I feel guilty or I feel I'm going through grief because I'm experiencing this loss of a, of a parent. Most of it is anger at the time. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. But looking back, these adults were able to say, you know, you know I was experiencing a lot of grief through, throughout that time. Right. Yeah. But you have to remember that. And we, we, we talk to parents about this, that remember that these kids are going to grow up someday and they're going to have an adult perspective. And when they look back at what happened and they realize if, if they're able to get to that point, that then they're carrying this guilt. Now they feel guilty about how they treated the other parent. Right. Thinking that I really didn't have to do that. There was no need for me to have that kind of separation and to treat my parent that way. Right. Um, and so now you have guilt added to the equation. Yeah. And then grief, and I've often wondered about this, and there, there isn't, we don't have a very clear understanding of it, but I've always wondered that the child must have some kind of grief over the loss of the relationship. Yeah. I mean, parents remain important to us, but there has to be some grief that they suffer yeah. um, over losing that relationship. It's just inevitable. Yeah, there has to be something. Right. And then, but I like this one. Yeah, this is this is something that I think we could almost do a separate podcast on this topic. N- number six, that is, is oh, no, the, the disappointment. Oh, yeah. No, you know, because what happens is the parent gets alienated. So let's say the parent gets completely pushed out of the kids lives. Right. Well, many parents will start another life, you know, say, well, look, nobody's talking to me. I will start another life. And then the children get angry and disappointed because the parent has moved on. Right. Well, the parent really didn't have any choice. Right. Right. And so the, the alienated parent starts a new life and all of a sudden the kids are saying, Oh yeah, dad likes his new kids more than he likes us. Dad's enjoying himself now. And dad's doing this and dad's doing that, or mom's doing this and mom's doing that. Well, it started with the alienation. Right. Yes. The other parent could move on. If you push them out far enough, he's going to start another life. Uh, you know, from their perspective, they, they probably have to. Right. You know, I, I mean, I would. They do. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, you've pushed me out of your life. You won't talk to me. I have no relationship. None of you speak to me. You won't take my phone calls. You won't talk to me. So I have to move on. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know. Yeah. Well, the next, the, the next um, factor is, is equally interesting and, and usually un and dis- not discussed, you know, and that is that the disconnection and, and, you know, removal of, of the extended family. 
Exactly. Um, you know, usually um, kids will have relationships with with their their grandparents on both sides and their aunts and uncles on both sides. But when when one of the parents has been alienated, the kids then lose connection with everybody on that side of the family. That's right. And, and, and those effects are devastating. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, you have these two families, the, the mother's family, the father's family, and frequently, and this happened in a, in a case where the father's family w- lived in this area, mother's family didn't, and when the alienation occurred, it was alienating the entire family. Yeah. So grandparents and aunts and uncles and birthdays and holidays, all that came to an end. It wasn't just the parent, it was the parent's family that right. was also alienated. And so now a child only has one family, yeah. the, the, the other parent. And if that's a small family, that also is going to have lifelong effects. Absolutely. And, and the last to talk about is that most of these individuals that they interviewed had a lot of difficulty coping right. and healing after the, after the, um, afterward. Um, right. They had a really difficult time reconnecting with the alienated parent um, and, and, you know, the, coming to the realization that they were abused. Right. And one of the questions I had, we always have is if a, par- if a parent is alienated, a child and a parent are alienated, what are the chances of them reestablishing right. a relationship later? And, it, and they're not good. Um, right. The the research suggests that reconnecting with the alienated parent is difficult, and most and in most cases it doesn't occur. Right. Um, you never really uh, resurrect that previous yeah. relationship. I mean, it certainly isn't. It certainly isn't as good as it was before. No, no, yeah. it's different. I mean, I think they appreciate the resolution, but yeah. it's it it's very difficult to have a close relationship, and then you also realize that you were abused. You know, when, when you become an adult and you look back and say, man, I was abused by the parent that I was, that I was allied with, you know, that I trusted. And now that you have this ambivalence toward the, the parent who did this to you, because you know, now that you were abused, uh, yeah. that it was a form of abuse. Yeah. Um, and again, that adult perspective changes perceptions. Yeah. So, so in the end, you know, what we, what we have here is, um, you know, we have the, the situation where the, the parent who is actively alienating the child from the other parent is, is certainly putting their own needs, whether it's right. needs for support, needs for revenge, whatever they need right. is, mm-hmm. they're putting their own needs uh, above those of the children. Right. And, again, you know, the, there are lifelong effects. Right. Mm-hmm. on the children um, as a result of this. Right. So next week, we're going to talk about the effects on the targeted parent, but also we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what in the world do we do about this? Because right. as we just said, it's really difficult and and, and it's not, you know, th- there's not always success right. in, in working through and, and reestablishing some of those relationships. Yeah. What, what we're learning is, is these are, these are lifelong use. Parental alienation introduces lifelong difficulties right. uh, that are very, very difficult to heal and to, to move on from the damage that's done. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a big problem, not only in terms of numbers, uh, we talked about prevalence last week, 
but it's also a big problem for all the parties involved, the right. children the, and both parents, alienating yeah. and alienated. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's it for this week then. We'll be back next week to talk about those other factors and as we wrap up this little mini series on parental alienation. So until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.